Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Let's pray and get into the Word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. And thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come upon your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Alright, so we started talking about how to overcome the devil. Now, uh, someone sent me a question and, uh, about what to do when there are demonic oppressions. And you know that this is a real devilish case. Uh, so what does a Christian do? I said, well, you cast it out. Praise God. You cast the devil out. There's nothing to do with the devil than to do what? To cast him out. But I'm trying to show you something a bit deeper on how the enemy tries to get a hold of believers. And ruin their lives and destroy their lives. And... Uh, so I'm sure you're getting all the messages. If you don't get the messages, make sure you send a request to the church office and get them. And listen to them again and again and again and again. And be fed by the truths of God's word. So we talked about the need to renew our minds regarding the subject and what the Bible says concerning our experiences. We need to renew our mind. We need to align our mind according to scriptures. We are not fighting a powerful devil, we are engaging a deceptive devil. So, we were able to point that out in the first two parts on how deceptive the enemy is. Praise God. Now, go to uh, Matthew 28, and I, I remember the Sunday I used this, I used uh, Harry as an example. So, every time you see Harry, you remember that Jesus has given us all authority. Praise God. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18. Matthew 28 and verse 18. Now, it's very important. We didn't start as early as I thought we were going to start teaching this morning. But let me see how far we can go. Uh, because one of the things that the Lord has uh, strongly instructed me about, about the teaching ministry, uh, is not to be in a hurry. And make sure that people come to a place of understanding. Praise God. Because if people do not come to a place of understanding, then the job is not done. Okay? So I'm going to stop wherever I'm stopping today, wherever we get to and now stop. And then, uh, if I don't finish it, we'll leave it that way and I'll teach something else on Sunday. And then, whenever I come back to it, we'll finish. But let's go to Matthew 28. And I want to read something. Now, we're, we're stopping at verse 18. But I want to show you the basis of this statement so you can understand it. So let's go back to verse 1. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred for an angel of the Lord, descended from heaven and came and rolled the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. 
He is not here, for he has risen. Just as he said, come see the place where he was lying. Verse 7. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Now you would, and I want to point this out very, very importantly. That the first people to share the message of the resurrection were women. And I said it very carefully. You know, sometimes when women get called into ministry, all they want to teach is relationship and marriage. How to keep your marriage. How not to lose your husband. How to address the best shit. And you know, sometimes you discover that women have a way of putting themselves down when it comes to teaching the gospel. Because they feel only men should be able to teach the gospel. But the first people that proclaimed the message of the resurrection, which is actually the gospel of Jesus, were women. And if the Lord could trust them as the first fruits to share the message, then the Lord can still trust some women to to teach the word. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay. And then he left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. Verse 9. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them, and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped them. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. Uh, you know, uh, every time Jesus appeared to them, or they saw Jesus, the first thing was fear. Fear was addressed. Have you observed that? Talk to me now. Every time Jesus appeared, the first thing he tells them is do not be afraid. Because some of you have the painting of that white actor in your house, and you call that Jesus, throw that nonsense away. That's not Jesus. It's even a thing of shame that some churches will put it. That's the picture of an actor. I'll say it again. Throw that nonsense picture out of your house. It's not the picture of Jesus. Nobody took the photographs of Jesus while he's alive. The first African that painted Jesus painted him black. Because the man has never seen a white man. It was when people started painting Jesus white that everybody now started accepting Jesus as, white, as a white man. Because unconsciously you will be bowing down to a graven image. The scripture says, No, we no man after the flesh. We now serve a resurrected Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Those ankles, those blank, trinkets, blankets, amulets, stuff you have around your house, your neck, your this thing, throw them away. That is not Jesus of the Bible. That's as humble as I can say it. And when they assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, you are to say his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. Can you see how they gave large sum to fund the lie? You know, some people say, how do, we, how do we make sure the truth goes out? It's by giving large sums to put the truth out there. Praise God. On an average, we teach about over a hundred people in church every Sunday morning. And with television broadcast, we reach close to a million people every day. And television broadcast costs money. But the Pharisees funded this lie. Till today, that lie is reported in, in, in Israel. That the body of Jesus was stolen by his disciples. Now, this is, what you, this is what I want you to say. Anything that is funded, over time, people get to believe it. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? Anything that is pushed consistently, talked or consistently, you, you just grow up believing it. And that's why you see that in African tradition, certain stories are passed out orally, and they, 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 they told your grandmother, your grandmother told you, you told your mother, your mother told you, you are telling your children, but if you verify those stories, they're not true. Because they never existed or they never happened. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> I, I've got these funny pictures, I save them all the time, and sometimes I send them back and forth, uh, if they have, have some of my friends, friends in church. Uh, I got this picture that uh, a masquerade was buying an ice cream. How many of you have seen it on Facebook? You've seen it? Yeah, the masquerade was tired. It was buying an ice cream. You remember that? Uh, what was your concept of masquerade when you were growing up? Spirits! What's your concept right now? If a masquerade comes there, my friend, get out there. You know what I'm saying? The masquerade did not change. You grew. It's the same thing with the devil. The day you grow up, when it gets into your house, you throw him out. It's when you are still a baby that you are scared of the devil. Praise God. And they, and they took the money and did as they have been instructed. And this so bribery and corruption did not start in Nigeria. It started with the chief priests. Don't forget, these are religious leaders. That's why Jesus told them that they needed to be born again. And he took the money and did as they have been instructed. And this story was widely spread among the Jews and is to this day. Verse 16. But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had designated. Now follow the story. The women came and saw the resurrected Jesus. And he says, well, go to Galilee because I'm going to meet you there. Now understand the basis of that statement. We're going to verse 18 now. What is the basis? Jesus had just risen from the dead. Now it goes on in verse 17. He says, And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. You know, verse 18. Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Now you understand this now. Why did Jesus say, All authority has been given unto me? It was because he had gone through death. Burial and resurrection. The claims of justice have been fully paid by him. So he can now boldly declare that he has all authority. And based on this, the Greek word used there is the word exousia. Based on this, he can delegate that authority to the disciples and they can function in it. Are you following what I'm saying? So Jesus did not just, it wasn't just a claim. It wasn't just a positive confession. It was a fact that Jesus had paid the price for all authority in heaven and on earth to be vested on him. And it is based on that authority right now that we have been designated to be able to overcome the enemy and to preach the gospel. The Greek word exousia. It means privilege or privilege. It means capacity. All capacity in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. It means delegated influence, authority, jurisdiction, liberty, superhuman potentials, all rights, all strength has been given to me. And I gave that example that day. If all authority in heaven and on earth is given to Jesus, which authority or power does Satan have? 
Not at all. Not anyone. How does Satan get into the lives of people? I'm talking to Christians now. How does Satan get into the lives of believers? Causing them to believe a lie? Religious lie? And over time you open a door for him to deal with your life the way he wants. There are certain things right now in your life as a Christian you should be ashamed of complaining over. Because you have the authority to deal with it. Praise God. Come on, I said praise God. Okay. Let's read Ephesians chapter 1. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 16. You remember this prayer? That is why, you, have you realized this? And I'll say this to you, listen very carefully. If you find all the prayers that Paul prayed in the New Testament, all of them were prayers of knowledge. All of them. All New te- You know, the, the challenge is, if we say, let's pray the Pauline prayer, some people will think we are not serious. You say, let's pray that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened, that we know the mystery of God's will. Let's pray that we'll be rooted in love and granted in His love. Let's pray that we'll be strengthened with might in our might. Say, when is the real prayer? Which one is the real prayer? Oh Lord, settle my case. <laughs> Look at this. Verse 15. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you, and your love for all the saints. Verse 16. Do not cease giving thanks for you, while making mention of you in my prayers. What is that prayer? Look at the prayer. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation. Oh, glory to God. Of revelation. In the knowledge of Him. The the Greek rendering of that is in the true knowledge of Him. In the true knowledge of Him. Look at Paul's prayer. He says that the Lord will grant you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now, why was Paul praying for the spirit of wisdom and revelation? Because in verse 1 to 16, he has been talking about the riches that the saint has. He talked about how God has blessed us. How He has predestined us. How He has adopted us. How He has chosen us to Himself. How He has made us righteous. How He has made us holy. All of these things will make no meaning to you. Except the eyes of your understanding is enlightened. It will make nothing to you. It might not change the way you see yourself. Until you have revelation knowledge. Into this. Praise God. I said praise God. Look at this now. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, illuminated, so that you will know what is the hope of His calling and what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. Observe the use of the words there. That God has an inheritance in you. This is not just about an inheritance for you, but an inheritance in you. What is that inheritance? The Holy Ghost that He has put on your inside. Praise God. That when, when God looks at you, He sees you as someone that is got inheritance in. But your eyes need to be open to see this. You see, there are the truths of God's Word. That when you catch a hold of it, your self-esteem will go up. You know, I, I don't have anything against it. But right now, sometimes I get a bit bothered when I see the, some of the 
types of programs we're introducing in church. Because right now we're going into a lot of psychology, into a lot of self-therapy, uh, talk sessions. You know, the truth of the matter is that we, we serve God, but we deny His power. I used to be, I used to be so angry, I could literally kick things and break things when I'm, I was that angry. You know, but as I got a hold of the truth of God's word, the fruits of love and patience and self-control began to grow in me. There was no anger management class. Nothing wrong about that. See, but God can fix your problem in one swoop by the Holy Ghost. Whether it's a problem of lust, can deal with it. Whether it's an addiction, he can deal with it. You know, it is a shame that even as Christians we don't believe the word of God. And I'll tell you this. There is nothing that you're going through that the word cannot fix. There's nothing. If you would hold on to God's word, it will change your attitude. It will make you begin to walk in love. You'll be amazed at how you love the unlovable. The, the grace of God is at work in you. But to will and to do of his good pleasure. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's go on. Let's go on. Verse 19. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power? Towards us who believe. Towards us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. Which he brought about in Christ. Look at this. When he raised him from the dead. And seated him at, the, at his right hand in the heavenly places. I want to say this very clearly. Uh, because when you have watched too much drama. Sometimes when you read the Bible those drama pick into your head. So the picture we have is God's, God's got a big throne. Like a big chair. And he's sitting down. And then Jesus is sitting at his right hand. The question is who is at the left? <laughs> don't say the devil. Don't even say it. The right hand in, Bi in Bible language just speaks of the place of authority and power. What it means is that Jesus is the one that expresses the authority and the power of God. Because we are seated with him in that same place. And we're not sitting with God in a big chair. This thing about this book is in your inner man. Is your spirit. Learn to see things from the spirit first. Because as human beings, we always like identify. Sometimes, we, and that's why as you leave the children class and come to the adult class, you need to drop some things and start renewing your mind. Some of you grew up with that Sunday school picture. You've never let it go. Yeah. And, and, and with my children, I'm careful with them watching Christian, some Christian films. Sometimes I have to pause the film and act and say, this was put there because it's a, it's a movie. If they just acted the way it is in the Bible, it will not make a movie sense. I don't know if you understand. You have to interpret that because if care is not taken, they pick that as what the word says and they run with it. And sometimes because we want to show... Uh, when I talked about the picture of the devil... Uh, holding a fork and it's got a tail and it's wearing black. How did you get that picture that was the devil? Someone painted it to you. If they had painted it differently, you would not have thought of the devil in that way. I don't know if you, if you understand. 
Images are powerful. Images are powerful. And that's why I talked about the picture of that actor. You, you know that unconsciously, if you are not conscious, if you see that big image, if, we, if I print it here now, and put a big one at the reception, if you are not careful, you, you will bow to it unconsciously. You, just, you, just, you will not know when you will just bow to the man. Unconsciously, because you have, you have trained yourself for over 30 years that that's Jesus. Are you, are, you, are you following what I'm saying? I know for some of you to take time to adjust because you paid a lot of price for the picture. Glory to God. I said glory to God. So we have to renew our mind where certain things are concerned. I told you about the sign of the cross when people do this way and pray. And I told you that the cross was not something... It, the cross, I'm sorry to say that, but I have to say it. The cross essentially is not like the symbol of Christianity. The cross actually was a way thieves were killed. You remember that it was not only Jesus who hung on the cross. Come on now, are you... <laughs> it wasn't only Jesus who hung on the cross. Yeah, there were thieves who hung on the cross. If there were thieves who hung on the cross, what does that tell you? Jesus was equated as a thief. Scripture says he was buried among thieves. So it was a symbol of death. What actually makes us Christians is his resurrection. Because each of those thieves that went to the cross was also buried. So the barrier is not even what makes us believers. Are you following what I'm saying? It is the resurrection. So if we want to actually have a sign of Christianity, it should be like this. And you, you realize that, you know, and I like this. You realize that if Jesus was shot at the firing squad, what do you think we would have been praying? Father, we thank you for this service. We open it in the name of Jesus Christ. Pash. <laughs> That's it. That's it. And when you just want to enter the car, you just pish, I pray. That's it. If Jesus was killed by hanging, what would you have done? In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. So these things have to be investigated. Praise God. They have to be investigated. Because God wants to deal with your spirit. He wants to live in you. That's been the agenda of God from Genesis. That man will be his image and his likeness and not subject to anything on the earth realm. He wants a man with absolute dominion. And look at it. Let's read on. Verse 20. Which he brought about in Christ. All this was done in Christ. When he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. The word places is in italics. Was not there in the original Greek. Supposed to be in the heavenlies or in the heavenly look at verse 21 far above how many far above how many all rule all authority and power and dominion come on now and every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come verse 22 and he put how many things? All. 
in subjection, underwear, his feet, and gave him as head over what? All things to who? To who? To who? If, if Christ is the head and you are the body, where is the feet? Where is the feet? You don't know where your feet is. Where is the feet? Answer me. Where is the feet? Say the body. That's the answer. So when I ask you again, just say the body and then we can continue. Where is the feet? The body. Who is the body of Christ? Who is the church? So through Christ, God has put all things under whose authority? Some of you are still fearful to say it. Simple equation. We're the body of Christ. We're his feet. The feet is the church. I'm the church. All things are under his feet. So all things are under my feet because I'm in Christ. So imagine you now go and report to Jesus that the devil is disturbing my dream. You say, I thought he was under your feet. Was he tickling you? So you see, the devil is not as powerful as we make him to be. He's chasing you your dream. Turn around. Chase him. They, won't, they are trying to kill me. They are always pursuing me in my dream. You are running in the wrong direction. Turn around. Turn around. Turn around. Chase them. <laughs> are you still here? So, so we are the... Because listen. Jesus. The resurrected Jesus cannot express his authority without you. I'll say it again. Jesus cannot express his authority without you. You are the one right now that represents him on the earth. So it is through our hands he heals. It is through our hands the gospel is preached. Are you following what I'm saying? Just as a, you know. I want to say this as polite as I can. But please understand my heart. You know, sometimes when you walk the streets and you find people with mental issues, right? Like I said, I mean, but that's almost just like the perfect example I can use. They will eat um, rubbish. Am I right? They will drink all kinds of dirty water, but they don't die. Have you asked yourself why they don't die? Or why they don't get sick? Have you ever wondered? How many of you have wondered? I have wondered. Have you ever wondered? And why are these people not sick? Some of you grew up in villages where there are people like that. You went to school, came back, they were still there. They live long. You know what actually happens? The demon spirit possesses them. But that's not, that's, that's 80%. Maybe say 50, well, I don't know how many percentage. But whatever percent contributes to it. The second percent is that their mind is renewed as to what disease and sickness is. So that water you call dirty, it is clean to them. And, and they partake of it in that spirit of cleanness. And it doesn't harm them. For you, even if you have taken that water, they now told you later that that water flows from a... Re- ah! You will just throw up. What has happened? You have already taken the water. But your mind... That's why I discovered that some people who go that... I'm not... Nothing against anybody. But you see all those people who go extra, they clean, 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 clean. At the end of the day, sometimes they end up with the kind of disease you now ask, how did this disease get into your life? It didn't get into anything. You, 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 you put the toy on your bed. You, 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 you ate your food with Isaiah. You, you make sure that you're, you're washing. But you realize that the fear of sickness. Am I saying we should not be clean? We should be. 
But the mind is a powerful factor in life. Are you saying that? So just as the demon possesses those people, as it were, not every case is demon possessed, but I'm just giving that, that illustration. You see that they begin to approach life from a different perspective. You, you, you go to the dustbin and you say, oh, that dustbin is smelling. They see it as, as a supermarket. And they go shopping for things. And they eat and they leave. How much more you? The Bible says if that same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, it will quicken your mortal body. You don't believe it. You don't believe it. You know why I know you don't believe it? You are the first person to go to the mirror and start checking your age. All the wrinkles are coming. You don't believe that the spirit of God can renew your youth like that of an eagle. You are the first to start checking for signs of arthritis. I'm feeling pains here. Hey, oh, they're just coming. No, but the Bible says if the Spirit of Christ that dwells in you, it will revitalize your mortal body. It will bring it back to life. The Spirit of God in your body can keep you young. That is why, and I want you to take this practically. Every minister or ministry that emphasizes so much of the power of the Holy Spirit, watch that pastor, they are always glowing, they hardly get old. You know the reason why? Is the emphasis on the power of the Holy Spirit. If you spend time with God, He will renew your youth. And I want to say very clearly, gray hairs are not signs of old age. They are just white color. Just as some of you dyed your hair brown. Hair is white. It's just color. has nothing to do with whether you're getting old or you're getting young. So let two or three gray-headed hair not make you start embracing old age when God still has plans for you. That's why at 85, Caleb looked to Joshua and said, The mountain that God promised me 40 years ago, I'm well able to take the mountain. Even though I'm 85 right now. The man waited for 40 years to take a hold of something. And in fact, he said that my strength is still the same as it was 40 years ago. That means for 40 years, the man's strength was consistent. Praise the name of the Lord. God is good. Amen. Okay. Are you here? Alright. So, and he put all things in in subjection on his feet and gave him as head of all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So we need to start seeing ourselves as the body of Christ. Now, I want you to see, don't see yourself as the body of Christ from a denominational point of view. See yourself as a body of Christ from the fact that you are united with Jesus. Are, 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 Are you here? Let's say I traveled, I'm not here, and you meet my wife, Sister Mary, right? You meet Sister Mary and say, oh, we want something. Let's say we want something from the church. Maybe we want a chair or something. And she says, well, you can have it. Uh, if I come back and I ask you, and maybe I'm angry at you for taking the chair. And I say, why did you take the chair? Why? And you know, just anger. And then you say, well, Sister Mary told me to take it. What do you think you have said there? What do you think you have implied there? It is implying that, listen, if Sister Mary told me to take that chair, is as, is as valid or has got much authority as you are the one telling me to take the chair. Because both of you are now one by the covenant of marriage. 
Are we in the same page? Does that example work? Do you understand what I'm saying? Why? Because we accept something is wrong. We're supposed to be one. Because I know some people, their wife give instruction. They say, I am the head. Until you hear from me, I have the final say. Except you have that kind of situation. But if both of you are united, are you following what I'm saying? But actually, both of you are two bodies. But you are now united by the covenant of marriage. So what you say is what your husband is saying. Hmm? It's the same thing with you seated there right now. You're two bodies with Jesus. But you are united by the covenant of grace. Which, you must understand something. We didn't enter into that covenant with God. We never entered into a covenant with God. And, and Christians need to be careful about that. I've entered a covenant with my God. I've, you, no, 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 no. Every covenant that man entered with God, he failed. So the new covenant, God entered with Jesus on our behalf. So we believe into it. So you believed into that covenant and now you are one with Jesus. And so Jesus gives you the right of attorney to use his name. So, the first thing that a woman does, I know there are debates all over the internet now, whether you should change your name to your husband's name. And You know, I told Mary something the other day. I said, I thank God we married when we married. No, I'm very grateful. I... I feel for the coming generation. There's, there's so much confusion everywhere. Every day I pray for my children, Lord, save them from the confusion that is in this world. You know, people are arguing about everything. Everything. We must fight about everything. You know, the first thing that changes when a woman gets married is what? Is her name. I'm not here to argue whether you should change name or not. Whatever is good for you. Fine. If you want to answer your father's name while you are married, that's a problem. But we know in normal society that we were growing up before, before we came into this one, that when you get married, you change your name. What was that change of name? It's a ch- now, your body naturally did not change. But legally, you could now even go in such a way that if your husband decides that he's not getting married again, based on the fact that you have changed your name before, you can actually take him to court. And then they give you whatever properties he has and do, do whatever you get, people need to do. But what I'm trying to say is that that name gives you authority. So sometimes you can even go to school and register the child even if your husband is not there. Are, are you following what I'm saying? And, and sometimes for parents who travel, sometimes they say, oh, you need to travel with a birth certificate or something. Why are they doing all of this? To establish the authority. I'm using that as a picture to show you what Jesus did for us. That we can actually go and meet the devil wherever he is and cast him out. Not because I am Maxwell Ogaga, but because I am united with Christ. I'm now Maxwell Ogaga Christ. Christ is the family name. It's the son name. That's the name of our father. And I now have that authority because he has now put his spirit in me that I can cry, Abba, Father. That is why for a child of God, the highest title you can call God is Father. His highest title is not Waymaker. 
He's not the one who fetches water with basket and the basket is not leaking. He's not the one who can light fire without firewood. He can put smoke in his, in his mouth. It will come out in his ears. They are good. But to you he is father. He didn't go to the cross so he can be called waymaker. He didn't go to the cross so he can be called the one who parted the Red Sea. He had been called all of those names before Jesus came. But when he put his spirit in our heart, it's so that we can cry, Abba, Father. That is why when Jesus was raised from the dead, what did he tell Mary? He says, I'm going to your father and my father. And when he was teaching the, what you call the Lord's Prayer, which is actually not the Lord's Prayer. He was teaching the disciples the Lord's Prayer in John 14, 15, 16, and 17. When he was teaching them, he says, when you pray, say, Our Father. His, his, his. His name to you is Father. He's not just Creator. Why? Because you've got the family name. And I've given you that example times and times without number. Caution. I'm not saying you shouldn't <laughs> call God those names. I'm explaining something. Get the explanation. Imagine my son comes and says, Pastor of the KDCC, the one who married Sister Mary. <laughs> <laughs> the one who pays my school fees. What am I going to do? Like, what's going on? Right. Right. Let me show you how a child acts. You know, I was selling my shakshi the other day. My daughter uses my restroom more than me. And in fact, she brings her friends. If you're close to her, any of the kids in church, she said she wants, the kids wants to wee or something. She just carry them straight to my office, round straight to my. She doesn't even ask, can I use it? You know why? Because I'm a father. There are some of you that have never entered there. And even if you enter my office, even if you are pressed, <laughs> you will not say, excuse me, sir, can I? Can I? You won't do that. I don't know if you, if you understand what I'm saying. Because I'm your pastor. Now, if I'm your spiritual father, it, it can help you. Before you get what I'm trying to say. Relationship determines access. So Jesus now say, you cannot come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy. He did not say you should storm the gate of heaven. Any flyer you see we are storming the gate of heaven, don't go. They are rebels. Wow. <laughs> oh Lord, we want to storm heaven. No, that's where you live. It's your father's house. You can come boldly to the throne of grace. That's why a believer should pray with boldness. Oh God, I'm just praying. If you can just hear me. Oh, if you can hear me, Lord. If, how, what, what do you mean that if you can hear me? Here, Jesus prayed. Father, thank you because you always hear me. Some of us would have done better if we didn't go to some churches. We actually got born again and then the church took time to teach us out of God's will. And made us disciples of the pastor and the papa. And so now your prayer must be in the name of the God of the... And then thank God. The testimonies are going to flow. When I prayed in the name of the God of... Something happened. That's not God's perfect will. He is your God. I said He is your God. Do you realize that if not the call to ministry... I might be the one sitting there... And you're the one standing here to teach? I'm not teaching here because I'm more perfect than you I'm teaching here because that's what God has called me to do and so I cannot make you dependent on me, it's the same blood that was shed for you that was shed for me now that doesn't mean you shouldn't respect me but the truth of the matter is we have access to God 
And if you have that access, you have the authority to cast out Satan from your life, from your house. You can deliver yourself. You can say, this Obanji spirit in my body, come out. It will respond. Yeah, it will. Whatever Obanji is. Is there an English word for it? Obanji. Whatever it is. Whatever spirit it is. Just cast it out yourself. Are you following what I'm saying? What are you doing now? You are exercising your authority. Praise God. You move into a new house yourself. Don't be, don't bother asking who was staying here before. Mad people stay everywhere. You just go and pray in the name of Jesus. And if you, in a, Paul told Timothy, he said, avoid vengeologies that lead to nothing. If they trace all our family history, we would have had a very wicked man in our family. Because in every generation, there's potential for wickedness to exist. It's the human nature. But now we're new creations in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Wow, glory to God. Are you getting something here this morning? Say amen if you are. Okay, so we talked about Colossians 2, 6 to 20. We've dealt with that a lot. John 12, 31. Jesus says the prince of this world come in and the prince of this world is cast out. Cast out. Kick out. So Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection defeated the devil. The devil has been defeated. The authority has been taken away from him. Praise the name of the Lord. The devil has been stripped of his authority. He's got no authority. So how does the devil afflict Christians? By deception. And I want to go somewhere this morning. I want to take a bit of detour. And it's a bit, but follow me. One of the ways the devil gets believers. I'm talking to believers. One of the ways the devil gets believers is to misinterpret scriptures. That's how it connects to John 10.10 10, that we dealt with in the first part. Let me show you something. Go to Genesis 2. Uh, Genesis 2. 16. Are you learning something this morning? Say amen if you are. I can't hear you. Say amen if you are. Okay. Genesis 2.16. I love God's word. Then the Lord commanded the man, saying, look at the instruction. Pay careful attention. From any tree of the garden, you may freely eat. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. And we know that when Adam ate of this tree, Adam did not die until he was about 935 years or thereabouts. So it means that the death that Jesus was talking about here was spiritual death. But do you realize that because Adam was not created to die in the first place, it took him time to die. It took him time for his body to understand death. And that's why if you read the Old Testament, it's the more man lived that his age began to come short. Methuselah, a thousand, uh, Abraham, you know after Sarah died, Abraham went for another traditional marriage. It's like, how old is your husband? 645. Ah, he's young. His grandfather died at about 982. Yeah? Come on now. See, we need to renew our mind concerning these things. There are some of you who have even said, ah, I don't even want to live to old age. I don't want to be a punishment to my children. What kind of talk is that? Because what's your picture of old age? What's your picture of old age? Like this? And then they are carrying your leg. Ah, mama, bring your leg up here. No, no. If you have that picture, don't, don't bother to get old. Because the expectation of the righteous will not be cut short. And you are the righteousness of God in Christ. So you will have your expectation. That's 
not the picture of old age. That's a picture of old age in a sin-reading world. God's picture of old age is not like that. He says even in their old age, they shall be fat and flourishing. You need to renew your mind. Get into scriptures. Read about old people who died. Praise God. And renew your mind concerning that. Renew. I want to renew your mind concerning that. Because the truth of the matter is that, you know why people die very early in our generation? Because that's all we think about. That's all we talk about. We, 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 we get into a healthy diet. You, you discover someone, if they're talking to you about diet, they're not talking to you about diet so you can live long. That, you know, even though the intention is living long, but that's not the example they're going to use. They're going to say, date this so that you don't die on time. I don't know if you, if you get There are two things I'm saying here. Do you get it? They're not going to put longevity in your front. They're going to put the fear of not dying. They'll say, build a house in the village. So when you die, they can have somewhere to bury you. Have your children on time. So that at least before you die, you can see your grandchildren. Can you see that the ultimate goal of all our plans is death? Come on now. Can you see that's the ultimate goal? Everything is about, uh, I want to have this insurance so that when I die, my children... So the, it, the death becomes the overriding motive behind every goal we have, not life. We talk about it, we plan about it, we do everything about it. And that should not be our dominant conversation. Immortality and life should be our dominant conversation. If we will have a people who talks about life all the time, people will begin to live longer. Because whatever we consistently talk about, as sons of God, we impart into the atmosphere. You know a lot of people die in December around this uh, area. Nigeria area. You know why? Because by September, my colleagues, my learned colleagues have started programs. Ember programs. Now, simple question. All of us have felt this. How many of you feel, don't raise your hand, but how many of you feel a heightened sense to pray for long life when you hit September? How many of you feel that sense? If you are honest, you feel it. Am I right? You just feel, ah, December, Father, who will see next year? You will cross, you will cross, you will cross, you will cross. You, you know why? Because over time, we've just built that consciousness. Right now, nobody's talking about, everybody's talking about just living. I, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Because that's our dominant conversation. Even when praise leaders come here, no praise leader in this church should try it. They will not try it. But you know, when praise leaders come and they want to tell you to praise God, who do they remind you of? People in the mortuary. We are in the mortuary. Thank God some people are in the mortuary. We are in the sanctuary. Take your nursery rhymes out there. We don't praise God because some people are in the mortuary. We praise God because He's worthy of praises. Are you following what I'm saying? We make it look like it's a nice thing. But it's not the motivation for anything. Then you just people just go, oh Jesus. Oh, Father. You are not worshipping Him now because He is Father. You are worshipping Him because in your mind you just picked up. Oh. I would have been an ice block by now. And then he'll give me the tag 100. Can you see now? The motivation for worship is now that death. And these are short-term things we must begin to clinically look at in the body of Christ. That death cannot be our motivation for anything. It has to be life that Jesus brought. Because when Jesus came, he came that we might have life. 
and have it what? More abundantly. Oh, time is going. From the knowledge of good, how did I even get into death? Okay, shall surely die. Okay. Did you pay attention there? Now, did you pay attention? Are you sure you paid attention? Okay, so I'll now know if you paid attention. Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more crafty, subtle, crafty, subtle. Observe that word. Go back home, read the meaning of crafty. Pick out your dictionary. What does crafty mean? Crafty is not powerful. Come on. Crafty is not powerful. What is crafty? 419. Conin. Deceptive. Exactly. That's the description of the devil from the beginning. That any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Two, the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. Three, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it, or touch it, or you will die. Did you find anything different there? What was it? Touch it. God didn't say, don't touch it. Genesis 2.16 The Lord commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may freely eat, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it you will surely die. God says, if you eat from it you will die. God didn't say, don't touch it. The woman reported speech, and then touch it. That's where temptation is beginning to come from now. Because the believer gives access to the devil when he starts adding to God's word. When preachers start adding to the scriptures, what is not in the scriptures, they are giving the enemy room to misinterpret scriptures to you and to take advantage of you. God never said, don't touch it. She said that. And she said, God said. That's why anything anybody tells you someone said, take it from me... Following the example of our mother that all of us have, they will always add something to it that the original person did not say. No reported speech is ever 100% accurate. That's how gossip and division and strife starts, even in the local church. For instance, I'll say, well, I want people to sit this way. And then someone come and say, you know, pastor does not like. I didn't say I don't like. I just said I want people to sit there. Because that pastor does not like has added a meaning to my instruction. If they tell you to say something, say it the way the person said it. Don't try to explain it. That is how we get prophecy wrong in the, in, in the body of Christ. God gives you a word. Then you start trying to interpret. Just say what God said. Praise God. Especially when you're prophesying over people. Don't try to make meaning of it. Say it. Just say it the way God puts it in your heart. Praise God. Let's go on. The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from me, your eyes will be open. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The question is, was she not like God before? She was. She was already created in the image of God. But can you see how the devil came into the life of Eve? We're going to uh, see this now, how Paul reports it. But it is through the conversation that was going on. And what is that conversation? That conversation was centered around the word of God and instruction of God. Now look at this. 
When the woman saw, saw that the tree was good for food, lust of the flesh, John explained this passage to us. And it was the light to the eyes, lust of the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, pride of life. She took from his fruit and ate, and also gave to her husband with her and he ate. The question is, was she foolish? She wasn't. Why did she desire to become wise? <laughs> How did Paul report this? But you find out that the three things John talked about, about the love of the world, was what was manifested here. The pride of life, the, the, sorry, the pride of life, the loss of the flesh, and loss of the eyes. Anywhere Satan will use to take authority over you or overcome you is in these three things. Either the pride of life, the loss of the flesh, or the loss of the eyes. That's it. He will deceive you with these three things. Let's go on. Let's go on. Let me go on. I, I, I need to finish this. Go to... Uh, um, where do I read now? Okay. Let's look at this now. Praise God. The word cunning was used 11 times in scripture. The word cunning was used 11 times in scripture. It was used Genesis... In the book of Genesis once, in the book of Job twice, in the book of Proverbs eight times. That was the only time it was in scriptures. Now, um, uh, let me see this now. Let me see this now. I want to show you something here. Let me... Verse 13. Genesis chapter 3, verse 13. Let me show you something here. Um, <laughs> so God queried the woman. God queried the man. The, wom- the man blamed the woman. So God queried the woman. Verse 13. Then the Lord God said to the woman, Who, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent did what? The serpent did what? Can you see it there? That is the only way the enemy gets advantage of believers is what? That's just it. He said the serpent deceived me. That word deceived or beguiled is Nashua in Hebrew. It means to delude mentally. Observe that, very important. It means to delude mentally, to seduce, to, 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 to deceive. It is used 15 times in the Hebrew Old Testament. An example is in 2 Kings chapter 18 verse 29. 2 Kings chapter 18 verse 29. It means to deceive someone, to, to lure someone so you can take a hold of them. When we were growing up in the village and they wanted us to catch chickens, right? We had, we had very acrobatic, I had a very acrobatic drama loving cousins so they would chase the chicken dive this way dive that way go under this so by the time the chick by the time they finally caught the chicken you would not know who we actually wanted to cook whether it was my cousins or the chicken because the chicken was more intact than the ones we were chasing because they've got bruises they've got marks yeah like who is the chicken here like okay this is chicken yes Anna. they were going about it with strength right until one day an older cousin came and uh, my grandmother said we should go cut some, some chicken so she could cook. So my older cousin bought corn. Because my, my, my grandparents were farmers and I spent some time with them. So he threw the corn. And some of you are smiling now like, hmm, I remember. You know, and threw the corn and the chickens were coming and threw the corn 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 into their cage. And they entered the cake. My cousin locked the door and picked one. His body was intact. You know, somehow you see some prayer warriors. By the time they are done with praying, their voice is gone. It's warfare. 
Midnight battle. Battle at midnight. And you see some other believers. Everything is still intact. But the devil is defeated. What happened? My cousin deceived the chickens. He beguiled them. He misinterpreted their foods to them. And that's what the enemy does. That is why, let me put it here. Let me just put this example here. That's why when, when uh, Balak wanted to curse the children of Israel, he says you cannot curse who God had loved. He tried to curse them. He couldn't curse them. I don't know sometimes how Christians think. Even in the Old Testament, it was impossible. Jesus' blood had not been shed. The Bible talks about our testament as the one with the better promises. Even in the Old Testament, they couldn't curse the children of Israel who were living by the law. How much more in the New Testament? But you know what Balak told Balak? He says, make them to commit sexual sins. He says, then the anger of the Lord will be burnt against them. So, they seduced them to commit sexual sins. And the anger of the Lord was burnt against them. Now, simple example. How did they allow the devil get into their life? They opened that door. So, you know what the enemy does? Summary of the message. First closing. You know what the enemy does? He deceives you that sin is just okay. Just okay. It's it's more money now. After all, they are not paying you well in this office. Just take extra one five. After all, nobody will know. Just sleep with that lady. Just deceives you. And what you are doing is you are taking corn to the cage. Before you know, you are inside cage. Say, Pastor, they are oppressing me. They are oppressing me. You ate corn. (laughs) I I cannot sleep at night. I cannot sleep at night. (laughs) Throw the corn away. Are you following what I'm saying? Don't use your choice to side with the devil. Use it to follow God's word. Let's read on. <laughs> I like this one. Second Corinthians 11. Although, three more scriptures. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Are you, are you excited? Are you happy you're learning God's word? Say amen if you are. Okay. Second Corinthians 11 verse 1. I wish that you would bear with me in a little foolishness. But indeed you are bearing with me. You know people made Paul angry. You know Paul said let us boast for a while. And you know why Paul was boasting? And it makes every preacher angry. <laughs> you know why Paul was boasting? He says when false apostles come you respect them. You take care of them. When false prophets come you honor them. He says but we labor among you. We teach you the truth. We go through all kinds of things to make sure that we don't take advantage of you. He says, but we're the ones that are less honorable. And I can tell you, to date, it is true. You find a false prophet around. And you see, everybody, they they are making... I went to preach somewhere. In World 2, there was a guy who was, obviously, out of this world, with the way he was ministering. And uh, I came to preach before him. He was in your school, Tammy's school. <laughs> and the man said, I'm ah, sorry, please. We don't have where we can put you. Just stay with So I stayed with Pastor Owen in his, in his, in his uh, room. I know this. It was one room. Had a bath outside, toilet, everything was outside. Then I finished preaching, taught for two days. Oh, we're going to say, Sir, you blessed us. Ah, sir, wherever that virtue. That's one prayer. Well, let me. 
you say where you that virtue has come from i know how to replenish the virtue don't worry you know and they pray they stretch their hands they bless not the problem i left and then the way this guy was to preach two days after me the guy told them number one he can't sleep in he has to sleep in a hotel so he gives them the hotel he was to sleep in if i what got me interesting was that the guy told them the part of meat that he likes if I, that's the funny part that's why i'm telling you the story i don't even know which part of meat they served me that day whether it was donkey i don't even know do you understand but you know what i realized and the man was living and he gave him like maybe thirty thousand. and that scripture of paul came back to my mind why do people love people who take advantage of them you go to a meeting and the word of God is taught powerfully. It might never cross your heart to be of a blessing to the minister or be of a blessing to the ministry. And you go to a meeting where they hold all of you hostage. And say, so see, according to the number of your age, if you are 35, so 35,000. I say, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. And you, people, you ask yourself, what is the problem? But you know what God told Ezekiel? He said, my people love to have it so. Any believer who is deceived has also joined is there something in you that draws them and you have to be careful of that for some it is instant miracles they just want the solution right now let me tell you regardless of how anointed a man of god is from genesis to revelation is the solution to whatever you're going through stick with god's word praise god so he said i wish that you would bear with me in a little foolishness they have, they pushed paul to this point of being foolish <laughs> But indeed, you're bearing with me. For I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I betrothed you to one husband. So that to, so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. He says, listen, I joined you to one man. I joined you to one relationship to Christ. Look at verse 3. But I'm afraid that as Satan, the serpent, deceived. The King James Version uses the word beguiled Eve by his craftiness. Look at what Paul says. It gives us an explanation to what happened to Eve. Your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. That's how the devil overcomes Christians. When your mind is led astray from the simplicity of the gospel. The simplicity of the word of God. The simplicity of the Christian faith. He says, I'm afraid. That just as the serpent deceived Eve, in your mind you are currently being deceived. In Galatians chapter 3, Paul looked at the, the church in Galatia and said, who has bewitched you? Who has put this witchcraft on you? Look at believers everywhere, running from pillar to post, looking for what is not lost. Bottles of oil, mantle, handkerchief, armlet, chest chest plate, whatever. Just carrying, come on. You see someone going to church and you're almost like, are you traveling? They got all kinds of equipment for spiritual warfare. You are led simply from that devotion of Christ. Do you realize that when Jesus left this world, he left us with only two things. The Holy Spirit and his name. But it is too simple. It must be battle at midnight. Destroying the destiny destroyers. When the scripture says your life is hid with Christ in God. <laughs> uh, look how Paul says. Verse 4 quickly. Give me some minutes. For if one comes and preaches another Jesus 
whom we have not preached. Or you receive a different spirit which you have not received. Or a different gospel which you have not accepted. You bear this beautifully. You can see the excitement in some of those churches. Right on, Papa. Preach, Papa. Get excited to hear the word. <laughs> Just excited. Commitment. Six o'clock in the morning, people are there seated. Just to hear something that is another gospel. And I can hardly get you in church by nine o'clock. Rain falls, uh, you know, the weather. It's just spiritual laziness. Nothing to it. Nothing to it. You think, you, you, do you think that I'm not tired? You know, you think because you think I'm a pastor. Then, all the days of my life, there are times I've stood in this pulpit. There was a Sunday I stood in this pulpit. They just reported to me that one of my pastors' wife died. I mean, she was a dear, dear girl to me. She used to handle my relationship. I literally cried. I was at the shopping mall in Abuja. I was to travel out of the country when they called me that the, 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 the girl passed on. I canceled the trip. Flew back. I literally cried in the shopping mall. I was with my friend, Pastor Paul. She was very dear to my heart. But I came here and still preached that Sunday morning and blessed people's life. So when I went to the office, I told a few of our board leaders. I know you won't show up. It's going to take you one month. Why are you not sure? <laughs> you are still asking. <laughs> this church is wicked. <laughs> are you following what I'm saying? Very few people know. Something happened to us in the last three weeks. Very devastating. I thought of it. I said, you announce it in church. You're just going to give people concern. It's fine. And we just sorted it out. Don't think we're superhumans. Even when we grieve, we get into the word. Even when we don't feel like doing the work, we get into the word. Why? Because we don't want to put anything as a stumbling block to the gospel. And it should be the same thing with you. You don't let the enemy beat you down, get you weak, get you so busy. You can find yourself in the house of God. You can serve God. You can preach the gospel. And what are you doing? I'm trying to make a living. It's the pride of life. Because you think you'll be something important if you have more money. And then you hear that very, very funny statement. I will send you people something. Well, keep your money. God wants you first before He wants your money. And that's the greatest mistake that pastors have done to believers. So you discover that the more money believers have in church, the more they have sent themselves from church and they send money to church and pastor goes to their house to do special prayers. And so, even the ones who are a bit poor in church, they want to make that their goal. Because they know once they hammer, pastor will start looking at them. Start offering special prayers. The Bible says that a, a minister of the gospel must not go after filthy lucre. I'll tell you this, this truth. If God sent you, he will take care of you. If he didn't send you, he won't. You have to take care of yourself. How did I get into that? First apostles. Five. For I consider myself not in the least inferior to the most eminent apostles. For even if I'm unskilled in speech, yet I'm not so in knowledge. I might not know how to talk, but I know what I'm saying. I think I fit with Paul here. I might not be the most eloquent preacher, but when it comes to this book, I know what I'm talking about. 
Paul says, I might not be that. But when it comes to knowledge, <laughs> come on, I'm not doing badly. How did Paul get into all of this conversation? He says, because your mind is being deceived. Remember where we're coming from in this study, John 10.10. 10. The thief comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. Who are the thieves? Those who came before Jesus. The same people Paul was referring to. That leads people astray. I must be bold to tell you that today the church has also become a mission field. Because it's better you don't hear a false doctrine than you grew up with a false doctrine. It will take you years. You know, there are some people you share this message with, they will fight you. They will fight you for the rights of the devil to deliver them. Say, don't worry, that your pastor. He travels abroad too much. Let him, he does not know Africa. You know, it's like, so what they ask someone? So why are you so happy in defending the devil? Like, you understand? Scriptures are plain. <laughs> Glory to God. Look at this. But it, or did I commit a sin in humbling myself so that you might be exalted? Because I preached the gospel of God to you without charge. I robbed other churches by taking wages from them to serve you. And that is exactly what happens. If a minister of the gospel does not place a demand on you, it is because someone somewhere else has taken care of him. So you know what Paul was saying? He said, other churches actually took care of me so I can preach to you. But you don't value that. Praise God. So let's, let's stop there. That's not our emphasis. Go to Matthew chapter 4. Final scripture. Final closing. How many closing have I had? How many? Three. A good preacher should have three closings. I thought it was two. I thought I had one more chance. Uh, okay. Uh, a good preacher, I think, should have four. <laughs> what, what do you think? A good preacher should have four. You know, Paul writes, finally, my brethren, and there are still some six verses after. So Paul is my mentor. So this is finally, my brethren. Then I'll put a few verses. Matthew chapter four, quickly. Okay, I'll make this my final closing. Then I'll give you the other two scriptures. You go back home and study them. Matthew chapter four. Temptation of Jesus. Right. So, some people actually think that Jesus, the devil heard Jesus, and told him, come, let's climb the mountain, I want to tempt you. And then they climb, and climb, and climb, and Jesus was like, sit down, hold on, small. Not we'll climb this. <laughs> you know, people thought that, no, there is no mountain you will climb in this world that you will see the whole world. Even Mount Everest. So that means, that temptation was not physical. How did it happen? Just as Eve beguiled you in your mind. Because there's no mountain. You climb and you see the whole world. So don't even imagine your head. Jesus, we are climb, bro. Climb. We'll soon go, then I'll soon tempt you. It didn't happen. Most of the temptations you face are in your mind. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Am I I, I right? Someone who has a temptation to steal from his office, what happens? The conversation builds up. They are not paying you enough and they have money. What's, What's going on there? What's going on there? What's going on there? That's the devil talking. Don't just say, I'm just reasoning it. No, you're not just reasoning it. That's the devil talking. That's why the scriptures say, whatever is pure, whatever is holy, he gives you a parameter to think on. If anything is outside of this parameter, the devil is speaking. Look at it. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be turned about the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And I told you before, only three people fasted 40 days and 40 nights. 
And the tempter came and said to him, said to him, remember, the tempter also came and said to him, say, 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 words, information. Said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. If you are the son of God, was Jesus the son of God? Yes. What was the devil trying to do? Try his identity. But he said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but in every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You see that the devil actually quoted the scripture. But was misapplying it. Another deeper interpretation. Well, let's go. Five. Then the, deep, the devil took him into the holy city. And had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written. The devil is quoting scriptures. He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up. So that you will not strike your foot against the soul. The devil will actually quote this Psalm 91 to Jesus. Do you know the scripture says that the devil even knows the Bible? I'm sorry to say, better than some Christians. And that's why when he quotes the Bible to you, when you don't know the Bible, you fall for him. Because the devil has studied the scriptures. You haven't. Let me see watching movies. Verse 7, Jesus said to him, On the other hand, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to test. Verse 8, again the devil took him to a very high mountain This is what I was talking about And showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory Now I said this, give me a few minutes I said this, that there was no mountain that Jesus could have climbed and seen the whole world But in your mind you can see the whole world I remember one time our club was not playing well Well pray for my club <sighs> If you know the club, you know the club If you know the club, you are a member of the partners club If you don't know the club, leave it And I, I was so angry I mean there was one match, I mean we had this particular coach That it was like he was sent to break all the records that have been built up by my club. You just hear, we hope they don't lose this match because they have not beaten them in this stadium since 1962. Immediately he commented, finish speaking, then they scored and the guy broke all the records. So this particular night, I was so angry we lost that match. So angry. So I went to sleep. You know, I was so angry I went to sleep. And in the night, I was at the Carrington where, where the, oh, I've mentioned that. Where the train? <laughs> and then I was shouting at our captain. The way you people are playing. I was shouting. Shouting at the man. Children of God, I've never been to the UK. I don't have a visa to the UK. But I have gone to where the club plays. I have spoken to the captain. Do you understand that? How did that happen? Because actually, in the spirit world, there are no geographical boundaries. That is why Jesus said that you can even commit adultery with a woman without even approaching her. Because the whole act, she can even get pregnant for you in your mind. She's carrying my baby. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's focus now. Then Jesus said to him, Now, again, the devil took him to the very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I'll give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him alone. Then the devil left him and behold angels came to minister to him. Three things I want to show you from this. Number one, every temptation that the devil brought to Jesus, he used the Bible. So one of the ways that the devil takes advantages of believers is misinterpretation of scriptures. So a preacher will read for instance, that if you do this, you'll be cursed. Curses pass, passes on to the next generation. 
But in the next very, next, very, next line, the Bible says, and his love to a thousand generations. They will meet that line. And then, the final thing you realize here is this. Put up 1 John 2, 13 for me quickly. You know the final thing you realize here? Look at the final thing you realize. When Jesus said, go Satan, what happened? Come on, come on, I, I didn't hear you. What happened? Did you observe that? Did you observe that as Jesus was talking back and forth, G- um, Satan was talking, was communicating. But you realize the last time, what did Jesus say? Come on, what did Jesus say? Go Satan and speaks the word. And the Bible says Satan left him. If Jesus hadn't said that, the conversation would have continued. You know how Eve would have overcome the serpent? Go! How does believers overcome Satan? G-O. Cast him out! Are you hearing what I'm saying? Sometimes you need to speak to yourself. When those thoughts are building up in your mind, you take them captive in the name of Jesus. And sometimes if you need to shout, shout, get out of my mind. They say, what's wrong? Say, it's not your problem. Yeah, I do that sometimes. Sometimes I speak loud to myself. When you have certain thoughts coming into your mind, say, no, in the name of Jesus, I'm not taking that thought. Because Mark, uh, Matthew, the scripture says, do not take any thoughts saying. So how do we take thoughts? By saying. Once you give confession to a thought, you've taken it. Praise God. I'm writing to you fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I'm writing to you young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I'm writing to you children, because you know the father. Next verse, I like this, I like this, I like this, I like this. I'm writing to you fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I'm writing to you young men, because you are strong. And the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. How do we overcome the evil one? To be strong in our spirit, in the reality of what Christ has done for us and to abide in the word if you abide in the word the devil can get a hold of you so Romans chapter 12 verse 1 to 2 talks about renewing our mind so we can prove the will of God hallelujah have you been blessed this morning come on I said have you been blessed this morning let's be on our faith glory to God oh Shabratoske glory to God Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.